back to our podcast and today we are going over synthesis. So Annika is doing vanilla and she's going to start off. Yeah. So synthesis I find really interesting in chemistry because it's really complicated but kind of really important in our world. So synthesis is the process of making a natural product from other chemicals. Um, so basically where you build your wanted chemical by inducing a bunch of chemical reactions and then you just slowly piece by piece create a molecule by putting it together. And like I said, it's often a very intense and complex procedure that requires multiple reactions. And back in the day, it used to be uh, complicated and required a lot of testing to make sure that you had your desired product because you had to make sure like if you wanted a carbon atom at this point in the molecule, you had to make sure to do and do a bunch of tests to make sure it was at this point and not at that point by accident. So it was a very grueling process of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, nowadays, it's a lot simpler because we have more high tech technology, but doesn't mean it's still not a complicated process. But like I said, since this is really important in our modern world, because it allows us to take really scarce natural occurring products that you can't really find naturally in the world, and then you can amplify it, which is really useful with a really growing population with 7 billion people, especially in things like medicine, for example, because if you have a really high demand for something and you only you can only find it in the world with like one area, that's not good for people who need that medicine. Um, or even things like flavorings, um, which I'm going to talk about. I think vanilla is a very perfect example of um, flavoring synthesis because vanilla is probably one of the most popular flavors in the world because it's used in a really wide range of foods, like, you know, ice cream to like just as added sweeteners for things. But the vanilla plant is a very, very laborious process and the plant itself requires a lot of hand pollination due to its plant anatomy. I, I don't know what else to call that, just plant anatomy. Um, I think that's kind of straightforward. We don't have enough workers or currently enough vanilla plants in general just to produce enough natural vanilla flavorings for the entire world. So the process, like I said, is very, very um, laborious, especially when you consider, you know, that you have to find the plants and everything with the hand pollination and everything. But it takes 600 vanilla blossoms just to make one kilogram of cured beans. So the yield is very low in general. And the process of extracting that flavor is very long. So the beans are picked when they're still green. And then they move to like this fermentation plant. And then they're stored blanched, steamed, sun-dried, sorted, and then um, dried again in the shade, and then they're fermented. It's, it's a very, very long process. And all of that happens, and then they only give like 2% of the extractable flavor. So like I said, very low vanilla flavor yield. When you have 7 billion people wanting this, and you can only get like 2% from 600 beans, your solution has to be a synthetic source. So First, some context of synthetic flavorings and how they work, because this is, I found kind of interesting. It's a little bit of a side note, 
just for some context of how natural flavors work versus synthetic flavors. So natural flavors, if you think of it, if you just taste like a regular vanilla plant, is going to be different than a <clears throat> synthetic plant or synthetic flavor. And there's actually studies that show that we actually, more people like the synthetic flavor than the natural flavor because we're more used to the synthetic because there's natural flavoring is a vanilla is really expensive and really hard to get. Um, but when you taste something natural, there's a bunch of different molecules that are all reacting with those taste receptors in the tongue. So it does cause a different sensation. So what chemists have done to create synthetic flavors is they take like that most abundant molecule or the most potent one and they just, they isolate that one and then they drastically amplify it and they make tons and tons of it and that's your synthetic flavorings. So in vanilla, that molecule that they use that has the most recognizable flavor is conveniently called vanillin. Sounds like vanilla. They typically do that. Um, so vanilla is typically the taste of vanilla that you would recognize when you think of vanilla. So that side note aside, um, how is vanillin, that compound, synthesized? And there's actually a bunch of different ways because vanilla is so popular and because there's a bit of a tussle on what's the best way to synthesize artificial flavorings versus natural flavorings. So what do I mean by that? Um, there are three different versions if you will, that's in like quotations because the end result of vanilla is the same. It's just the method they use that they call it natural or synthetic or semi-synthetic. So those terms have to do with the origin of the compound for synthesis, like the starter. So natural will be your actual vanilla beans. There's a molecule that's called vanilla and glucoside, which is a type of organic molecule called an ether which honestly is my favorite functional group. That's another side note because they're really fun. Like their, their shape of them or their structure is fun because you basically have two compounds that are both bonded to want the same oxygen, like in the middle, they just kind of sandwich it. So it's like an oxygen sandwich. And I find that very amusing. Yeah. But the, but the vanilla glucoside is basically one side of that molecule is one short from being the vanilla molecule. And the other side is just other random stuff that's not really important to synthesize vanillin. So basically you just kind of snip it off, add a hydrogen and you have vanilla. And that happens naturally in like the fermentation process. That's what natural vanillin is. Semi-synthetic is when you take natural chemicals, I mean by natural, I mean like they come from plants. Like in, in you can find those plants and those chemicals naturally. So for example, stuff like corn sugar, which would be glucose, rice bran, which would be for ferulic acid, clove oil, which would be eugenol, and then spruce tree linen, which is coniferal alcohol. I think I'm pronouncing that one right. Don't quote me on the pronunciations. And then through a bunch of different reactions, typically through bioconversion, which is converting a different chemicals through microorganisms like bacteria and yeast, um, you can then synthesize vanillin. Um, however, through these methods, actually high concentrations of um, brulic acid, which is rice bran and eugenol, which was clove oil, which is needed, those actually kill a lot of the microbes, and which is not ideal when you need those microbes to make your vanillin. 
So even more undesirably than that, um, these they those methods typically produce really low yields, and the bacteria make a lot of vanillin alcohol and vanillic acid instead of just regular vanillin. So there's a bunch of extra processes that you need to do to produce vanillin. Um, to get around this, we now have genetically altered microbes and longer incubation periods and other processes that remove those unwanted products. But it's very lengthy and complicated procedure. Um, however, it's still kind of a little bit more accepted because there's a huge push in the consumer market for like all natural ingredients and the least synthetic you can make it typically the better approval you get from your consumers um, and it is a step up from completely synthetic vanillin i mean by that is synthetic vanillin starter molecules typically come from petroleum and that, that, that's right, petroleum is in like oil and natural gas. So the specific name for that molecule that is in with petroleum, because petroleum is just a bunch of different stuff. So we have guaiacol. And guaiacol is used because it has a very, very similar structure to vanillin. And it's a very simple structure in addition to that. So it's easy to synthesize because of how similar they are. It requires still a couple reactions, but it's less than others because it is so similar in its structure. So it contains a benzene ring and an alcohol branch and an aldehyde right next to each other. And all it really is missing is one functional group, which is, which is a ketone, which is basically just an extra oxygen on the other side which is branched off. I recommend looking up the structure of vanillin just so you can see what I'm talking about because <laughs> really hard to explain structures verbally. So synthesis from glycol is a pretty modern method. And honestly, in the market, it's the preferred synthesis method because it has the, the biggest yield and has 99.9% .9 purity. There can still be some trace byproducts. So work still needs to be done to completely purify it because ideally 100% is better than 0.1% not pure, but it's the best we have so far. So glycol is gathered from catechol in petroleum, which then contains another substance called glyoxylic acid. And the synthesis is really complicated. It took me an hour to understand it. So I'm going to give a really dumbed down version of it. So we have glycol that reacts with the glyoxylic acid from the catechol. What will happen is it will undergo what's called a condensation step. Basically, the glycol and the glyoxylic acid will fuse together. That's pretty simple. So once they have fused together, that forms what's called vandelic acid. This vandelic acid will then gain an electron um, in an oxidation step. Basically, what happens is there's a hydroxide group, which is OH, if you don't know, um, on that vandelic acid molecule. And one H of the hydroxide will be snipped off, which just leaves an oxygen. And then it gains an electron pair from the oxidation step. And that makes a new, con new compound, phenylglyoxylic acid. We love these chemistry molecule names, they're great. So the phenylglyoxylic acid, then there goes the final step, which is a scary name, but it's really simple to explain. It's called acidification decarboxylation reaction. And yeah, I know that's a lot, but it's fine. Basically, that means 
that the compound just becomes slightly more acidic, and then it loses a couple atoms in the form of a CO2 molecule. And that leaves behind your final desired vanillin. So it's complicated, yes, it's very complicated, but that's chemical synthesis. Um, is it questionable as to whether or not it's healthy? Well, I mean, the end product is the same either way. So, and it is approved by the FDA, but yeah, there is still some debate on whether or not it is completely healthy. But if synthesis from petroleum didn't make you feel grossed out at all, first of all, kind of good for you. But second of all, prepare yourself for this fun fact, because this one was great to read at night when I was researching this. Um, in 2007, there was actually a Japanese scientist who won a prize for finding a way to synthesize vanillin from cow dung or manure. So literally, just goes to show that there's that if there's a will, there's a way in chemistry. And that in the end, you know, chemical changes happen and you can make new things from even crap. And if life decides you to throw you a big old bag of poop, you might just be able to make something sweet out of it. So, you know, in the end, if life gives you cow poop, make vanillin. You made a new saying. <laughs> it will not. <laughs> no, no one's gonna. <laughs> Never hear that again, but you know. So I did gas, like synthetic gas. And, well, it ends as, you know, uh, methanol and stuff like methane. But there's three main steps in this process. The first step is to make this thing called, I believe the literal name is synthetic gas, but you call it syngas for short. And it's sort of, it's, people call it an intermediate because you make it before natural gas or things like that so you can make syngas and then after that you can use it to create things like synthetic natural gas and the basis of the the long like reaction that well the long series of reactions that turns your natural gas or coal or whatever else into gasoline actually starts with um well it starts with the coal and the natural gas and there's this process called steam reforming which takes steam and a hydrocarbon. Methane in this example, it's the most commonly used one that I've seen. And they put those together, react, and then you end up with, as a result of that reaction, which is um, CH4 plus H2O, you end up with CO and H2, and that is not balanced. I think the only thing you have to do to balance that equation is to add a three before the H2. And so then you end up with your carbon monoxide, your CO and your H2, which is hydrogen. After that, they then convert the syngas into methanol. So after the reaction that creates a syngas, you have your carbon monoxide and hydrogen, which is syngas. Syngas is like 30 to 60% carbon monoxide with like 25% hydrogen. And then sometimes there's like some methane or carbon dioxide in there as well. But with just your plain carbon monoxide hydrogen, you have syngas. After this, you can react the hydrogen and the carbon monoxide together to create methanol, which is CH3OH. Yeah, CH3OH. And that's your methanol. And once you have the methanol, you can then turn that into um, liquid gas through a reaction called 
MTG or methane to gas. So the process to turn methane into your actual gasoline is it's a very long process and it was actually it's um the MTG process as I stated earlier and it was actually founded by ExxonMobil. This process starts with just your methanol. Um that is it's vaporized, superheated. Um you get your dimethyl eth dimethyl ether. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm not 100% sure. And then once you have that, it is then put into a fluid bed reactor, which creates light olefins, also known as, it's just an alkene, just a different word for an alkene. Um, I believe light just means it's there's less substance to it, there are less atoms in it. Um, and also water is created from that. Then, because of the conditions of the reactor, those light olefins just become regular olefins, the heavier version but they're not called heavy olefins for some weird reason. This process also creates CH5 or methanium, I believe is how it's pronounced, which is um, then, re that could then be reacted into all sorts of things like paraffins, um, paraffins, sorry, and all sorts of things that are, are gasoline or can be made into gasoline. And it's really nice because this approach, since syngas is made from not crude oil and like not, you know, it's not as environmentally bad. I mean, you still have the problems that come with using gasoline, all the not so good chemicals that come out of using it. But we, there is no need to disrupt the environment in order to get the actual gasoline or the other things because you can do a similar process with things such as crude oil, but crude oil is not very environmentally friendly. It's mining, it can destroy habitats and all sorts of things. And so, Coming from an environmental standpoint, if we're still going to use gasoline, this is a much better solution because it is better for the environment. I mean, as far as gasoline goes, it's made synthetically, and so it's like, and most of, there aren't really many, it's not like, it's not like nuclear energy where there are any radioactive byproducts. It's, you know, it's not ideal gas is not especially good for the environment, but as far as, you know, gas goes. This allows us to procure it in a way which does not hurt the environment as much. Thank you for listening to our podcast and join us next week and we will be discussing some more interesting scientific topics.